1130 here at KRVN, which means it is time for midday on this Tuesday, the 26th day of January. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Whole gang is here. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen. Some big Husker news coming up in just a minute or so. We'll also hear from Bob Broken. Tell us how stocks are trading so far today. Sun is out for now, and hopefully scooping is going well. I know it's a lot of snow to scoop right now. Let's turn things over to Susan Littlefield. And did you get your scooping done? We did. Um, that, now the county road hasn't been done yet. But we, uh, Mike was out there all morning moving snow with the tractor. We had um, some snow drifts that were almost as tall as the tractor tires. Wow. Wow. So how so much we, snow did we had you about, get? About 10 and a half inches. It's a pretty good amount. And, yeah, it's a de- definitely decent amount. And it's uh, hopefully some good moisture. But nothing like John Hansen with Nebraska Farmers Union told me he had 15 inches at his place. Whoa, that is a lot of snow. Yeah, that is. I, a, he says he figures he'll be dug out by about April. I, I think that's the most <laughs> snow amounts I've heard so far from this storm. So crazy stuff. Yeah. What do you have for it's us today? It's crazy. Well, we're going to kick it all off at 1219 with Alex as we hear from a registered dietitian who incorporated the Nebraska Beef Council's nutrition materials into what she does on a daily basis. Now, a topic that we all don't like to talk about, and that is mental health. We're going to talk about mental health and agriculture with Michelle Payne. She was one of the speakers last week at the U.S. Custom Harvesters Annual Convention, so she and I sat down to talk about things that we all can do, not only for us personally, but for our neighbors as well. And then at 117, Bryce steps in with a discussion on genetic potential in the cow-calf industry with certified Angus beef. So that is a midday on this Tuesday from a farm team. All right. Thank you very much, Susan. Have a good one. You too. All right. Let's turn things over to Jason in sports. And a couple Husker football players, well, they're leaving the program. Yeah, they are uh, G-O-N-E gone. (laughs) That's your staple. (laughs) One being... Uh, quarterback Luke McCaffrey has decided uh, his future would be better spent somewhere else. Also, of note, Cade Warner, Kurt Warner's son, he is leaving. He might end up being a, a grad transfer, however, but uh, a lot of folks upset about uh, McCaffrey moving on. Here's my thought on that. Uh, he had a shot. He was given a chance to play quarterback. He struggled. I don't think his best position in college football is as a quarterback. That's just my opinion. But I also think they should have found better ways to get him on the field and use him as a gadget player, much like they did in that first drive against Ohio State. I, I never understood yeah. why we didn't see that again because that made a lot of sense. But maybe he didn't want to be used in that capacity either. And that's the key. is Did he want to play quarterback? Did he think he had it in the, and could play it? You're right. He did have a shot. Didn't win with him. So, you know, we'll have to win without him. So they, they, they know lots of people, and that's a big name in football, and I'm sure he will land somewhere else. So we'll touch on that. Also, we'll talk about the Husker women's basketball team. Gritty win last night on the road over Illinois. And we'll hear from UNK Volleyball Country Squires as practice has started for the spring for the top-ranked Lopers. So weird talking it volleyball is. during the spring, but, <laughs> hey, we'll take it. At least we have some volleyball. All right, very good. Let's turn over to Bob Brogan. And, Bob, how are Sox looking here on this Tuesday? Stocks are a little bit higher, and uh, they're helped by some better-than-expected earnings reports from some fairly sizable companies. U.S. consumer confidence was up in January, and home prices jumped in November at the fastest pace in several years. Those stories and more in the business news. Okay, sure appreciate it. Let's turn it over. Time for a regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins is back in the studio. 
Well, Paul, we saw a lot of snow and some uh, records nearly broken in some locations yesterday. Yeah, as much as 14 and a half inches of snow falling in the Lincoln area. <laughs> a lot of snow. There, there. I don't think it was broke, right? Because I think I saw they had 19 inches way back when. Yeah, probably. I okay. I haven't seen that far, but I know, yeah, uh, Grand Allen, of course, reporting a record snowfall total. I think their old record was like five inches on that day. Of course, it doesn't snow every day. I've always considered when they say it's a record snowfall for the day, uh, well, it's it not doesn't like snow yet. every day. And it doesn't, you know, <laughs> and they say, oh, record rainfall. Well, it doesn't rain every day either, so <laughs> not too hard to break a record. But, yeah, we had 9 to 10 inches being reported in the Grand Allen and Hastings area, and it's about 9 to 14 inches from about Grand Allen into southeast Nebraska. They had 11 inches uh, reported in the Omaha area, about 5 to 8 inches from Kearney and points off towards the west. So, yeah, some hefty snowfall totals with this system. Do you happen to know how much we had here at the station? I think officially the Lexington measurement, I think, had about 6 inches. Okay. I saw All right. well, popped still, up one time on the map. Yes. Still a pretty good amount of snow. Yes, a lot of it out there still. And it's bright with the sunshine that we are seeing for yeah. the time being. <laughs> yeah, you almost need your sunglasses out there reflecting off the snow. Exactly, even into the studio here. <laughs> right. Uh, also, there's another chance for another system moving in later tonight to tomorrow. Yeah, less impact with this system. Most of the impact with it will be on into northern Kansas. And we do have a winter weather advisory in effect for central and east Kansas, basically from Phillipsburg and points to the south and east. Could see about one to three inches of snow with that system. Luckily, the winds will be on the light side. That winter weather advisory, central and east Kansas, six this evening till six tomorrow morning. Okay. And then today, unfortunately, the temperatures, pretty much what you see right now is pretty much what you're going to get all day. Yeah, it's it's chilly right now. Temperatures right now in the low to mid-teens. We had some single digits this morning over southwest locations. And right now, those temperatures still in the low to mid-teens in many areas. And you team up that temperature with the wind, it makes it feel like it's anywhere from in the single digits, mostly above zero across the area. And just another snowfall amount coming in from the Lincoln area, 11.1 inches in the south part of Lincoln. But we, once again, we've had reports of 14 and a half inches in Lincoln. Now that next system is going to be bringing us some light snow, mainly to southern Nebraska into Kansas starting to get going just to the east of Denver on into southeast Colorado. That is beginning to spread a little bit of light snow into southwest Kansas towards Garden City and Syracuse and just to the south of Scott City. But we are somewhat in between systems for today. It will remain on the most part cloudy. We are seeing that filtered sunshine for the time being, but increasing clouds today. Daytime temperatures that are 20 degrees colder than normal. More low pressure tracking much farther to the south across northern Texas will result in that final likely chance of snow. Accumulations on the light side ranging mostly from an inch to two inches. We do have the latest snowfall forecast map for your particular location on our KRVN Facebook page. The light snow starts to arrive in western areas this afternoon before it moves into the central and east for tonight. Sunshine is back for tomorrow through early next week as the ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains. Some slight chances for rain and snow in central and east areas with the minor system on Saturday, but otherwise dry conditions expected for tomorrow on into early next week. Temperatures will stay, still be about 20 degrees colder than normal for one more day tomorrow. Temperatures on Thursday, 10 degrees below average before we warm to seasonal to slightly above normal for Friday and Saturday. Now, the latest long-term forecast predicts above normal temperatures for early next week for Nebraska and Kansas, getting some melting going there. Temperatures will be seasonal or near normal for the late half of next week through February 8th. 
We are starting to see those temperatures warm as we move into February. Central Nebraska's average daytime highs in the early part of February are in the upper 30s to around 40 with average overnight lows in the mid-teens. Active weather is predicted for Sunday through February 8th in Nebraska and Kansas with above-normal precipitation likely. Market impacting weather factors include varying amounts of rain in Brazil and additional rain in store for central Argentina. Here in the Corn Belt, a midwinter storm continues to unfold with snow causing widespread travel disruptions from Nebraska to Michigan. Once again, that snowfall total of 14.5 inches being reported in Lincoln. Active weather will continue with multiple storms tracking from the four corners into the central and eastern U.S. Across the southern plains, winter wheat conditions highly variable. Kansas wheat, 43% good to excellent, three percentage points below the total for earlier this month. Oklahoma's wheat crop rates, 61% good to excellent, a weaker system than yesterday. Tracking east right now with another occurrence of light snow in the northern areas of the southern plains. Temperatures will warm significantly, melting some of that snow and adding soil moisture. Brazil's rain amounts will vary over the next seven days. North and northeast crop areas will only see light rain with some dryness concerns likely. Southern Brazil forecast to see heavy to very heavy rain with some flooding in Rio Grande do Sul and Piranha along with the disruption to early corn harvest. North and central Argentina's forecast predicts moderate to locally heavy rain the next seven days. The continued rain chance offers the potential for an increase in production estimates for corn and soybeans as the season in Argentina moves into the late stages. So today's going to be cold. Another chance of snow coming later tonight into tomorrow morning. But unfortunately, does not look like temperatures are going to get much warmer into next week. Yeah, uh, we're just going to see that kind of brief warm up here late next or late this week into the weekend and early next week. But then more seasonal temperatures. But the good thing is uh, we're seeing that flip side of warming temperatures as we're starting to warm up as the rest of the winter goes on. Well, let's continue to warm up because it's going to take a while to melt all this snow that we yeah. received, especially if you had 14 and a half inches. Yeah, can you imagine? I've, I've heard some from people in Lincoln. They are digging out and you know, as you get dug out, you may get to go in somewhere and then you get stuck again. Yeah, that's the thing is people are getting stuck on the roadways, on the, the yeah. side streets last night, so crazy stuff. For more weather information, where can you find that at? Weather page, krvn.com. All right, thank you. These guys care. The Beef Checkoff creates nutrition materials based on the latest research and then packages that information into use for a variety of consumer and health professional settings. Now, we often hear about these materials from the Beef Checkoff standpoint, but they really are being used in everyday life. And so today we're joined by Karen McWilliams. She's a registered dietitian with Lincoln Internal Medicine Associates. Karen, you actually do incorporate these materials and recipes into your role as a dietitian. Tell us how you do this. Well, I see people with uh, elevated cholesterol, past history of, of heart disease. I see diabetics. I see people needing or wanting to lose weight. So for all of us, we're looking at lean protein and we're looking at a variety of foods that we can make a long-term plan and so that this isn't just a temporary diet. So from your perspective, why are you incorporating this beef nutrition information into your role as a dietitian? Well, I promote a variety of foods and a variety of protein, but beef is high in B vitamins. It's high in zinc and iron. It's lean. I really want people to get past the hearsay to get some simple, good 
foods that they can include in their daily diet affordable and that they can have all foods. And so there's a lot of information out there that suggests we have to give up all meats and we can only eat certain types of meat or poultry. And truly, if we have the nutrition information, we can choose the best cuts. We can find a lean way to prepare that food. Well, these pamphlets give great recipes. They are quick and fun. And any recipe that comes from a commodity or a food company is going to be a really good way to prepare that item. All right. Karen, for those who still want to incorporate some healthy habits into their diet, but may not necessarily need to see a registered dietitian. Um, can you offer us some tips on how to maybe do that? Certainly. The, the first one is not popular. <laughs> it is recording what you eat a few days and and really looking at all sides of that. We don't we don't like to know what we really take in and uh, getting getting a clear picture of what's healthy about our eating and what's not so healthy. And then focusing maybe on one meal or snack where uh, we can include, I, I call it plants and protein, and have some kind of balanced little mini meals or meals that really satisfy us, that give us enough energy and nutrients to, to hold us a few hours. And then we can build from there. But uh, first, first, tracking what you really eat. Second, uh, we can always add two healthy recipes a week or two healthy snacks to our grocery list and and not making it a perfectionistic seven days a week. I will eat these foods, but starting with two or three. You did mention something interesting. It was looking at food labels. Uh, expand on that, if you would. Well, when you look at the label, we, we need to look at portions first. That's major. Then we need to go to ingredients. So when people ask about a product and look at ingredients and sugar's the first ingredient, that should be a good sign that maybe I want to look for something else. In our commodity groups, we're going to see that it is beef, it is pork, it is what we thought the product should contain, and or it's the majority of the ingredients come from there. All right. Thanks so much. That again is Karen McWilliams joining us. She's a registered dietitian with Lincoln Internal Medicine Associates. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting for the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Jason Jorgensen has stepped in and we preface this about 1130, but uh, we're, we're finding out I guess all three players now that are transferring from Nebraska football. Well, they've entered the transfer portal, which there's a chance you can come back, but rarely does that uh, happen. After weeks and weeks of rumors, Nebraska quarterback Luke McCaffrey has decided to enter the NFL NCAA transfer portal. McCaffrey, a redshirt freshman, started at quarterback for the Huskers several times this past fall. He threw for almost 500 yards, but had just one touchdown and was picked off. Six times. Now, he was effective as a runner, rushing 65 times for almost 350 yards and three scores. It's also announced this morning that receiver Cade Warner, an offensive lineman of Will Farniak, will also be entering the transfer portal. I see a lot of angst about this on Facebook about McCaffrey leaving. <laughs> it doesn't look good, but look back at his body of work this year. And I know he was only a redshirt freshman playing quarterback, but 
he doesn't really have the arm to be an effective Power 5 quarterback. I agree with that. Here's here's my two thoughts. It's interesting because on the defensive end, you have a lot of these guys that are coming back. However, on the offensive end, we've seen a lot of guys transfer. So it is an interesting kind of concept there when you have half of the team coming back and then not the other half where we have seen the offense struggle. So you have to wonder if something else is going on or if they're literally just like, hey, we just want to go somewhere else. There's so. also some uh, smoke that Nebraska is trying hard to convince McCaffrey to hang around and not leave. And once again, you, you can still come back right. if, if you put your name into the uh, transfer portal. But normally if that happens, you're gone. You're ready to yeah. look for greener <laughs> pastures. Uh, Sam Hybe scored 12 of her game-high 22 points in the fourth quarter to help Nebraska rally from a fourth-quarter deficit as the Huskers won it last night at Illinois, 57-53. Head coach Amy Williams says even though it wasn't pretty, they'll take it. Uh, uh, ugly is, it, but uh, when ugly, we will take uh, it any way we can possibly get it. And we've said before, you know, certain games. I think even our last ball game, where you know we feel like if we score in the seventies, that has to be enough for us because yeah. we need to be able to hang our hat on the defensive end. Williams made her comments on her post game show on the Husker Sports Network. Nebraska won despite hitting just twenty nine percent from the floor. They were nine of thirty two from behind the arc. Scheduled to play back at home on Thursday against Wisconsin at 7. We'll bring you that game here on 880-KRVN. Practice is underway for the UNK volleyball team, and head coach Rick Squires says it's nice to have something to play for. There are games on the calendar, and it's been a long time since we've been able to play another team, and I, I think our girls are really looking forward to that. So practice definitely feels different than it did in the fall. As it stands now, the Lopers have 18 matches to play. The first one is set for February 11th at Colorado, Colorado Springs. The first home match is set for March 12th against Northwest Missouri. And due to the inclement weather, the brackets for the RPAC Conference Basketball Tournament have been revised. They hope to start things tomorrow. Refresh my memory on the UNK season here in the spring, the volleyball season. Will this act like a regular season, just move to spring? Is there going to be a postseason possible tournament later on, or is this just... This is just what it is. Just to play, basically. Just, you, you nailed it. Okay. Just All to right. play. None of the records will be kept. Win-loss records for coaches will oh, be kept. Stats uh, know nothing, really. I mean, yeah, it's just to play. It's better than nothing. Yeah, you can't complain. At least we'll have yep. UNK volleyball. All right, very good. Thank you much. And this station. It's time for Midday News. Dave Schroeder has stepped in. Did you get yourself uh, shoveled out? I did, yes. You bet. I got a good start on it. Uh, and, and then this morning I shoveled a little bit. I probably need to shovel a little bit more, but anyway. It's uh, a lot of snow to get shoveled out, about six, seven inches here in Lexington. Yeah, so. yes. Yep, but it, it, it fluffy stuff, it didn't go too bad. Not so. too heavy, huh? Absolutely. Fair. Well, you know, the storm yesterday wasn't all too good for for uh, crime uh, either. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell us more. A Nebraska man was arrested in a burglary after getting stuck in the snow outside the victim's home. Lancaster County Sheriff Terry Wagner said the homeowners noticed a sport utility vehicle in their driveway Monday night, and they went to see if the driver needed help. Well, reports uh, was that there was no one inside, but they saw some of their belongings from a storage shed, including a fishing tackle box and a motorcycle helmet. Deputies followed fresh tracks in the snow to the neighbor's house, where they found the 25-year-old suspect. The Nebraska man had walked to that home to seek help. 
Members of the Business and Labor Committee Monday took testimony in the Line of Duty Compensation Act. It's a measure that would provide a $50,000 death benefit for a family member or designee of first responders killed in the line of duty. Nebraska Professional Firefighters Association President Darren Gareen recounted testimony given last year supporting a similar measure telling lawmakers of firefighters who face death when their airboats capsize while performing an evacuation attempt during that 2019 flooding near Fremont. This benefit that we're asking for I think can be compared to a bouquet of flowers. Great for a short time but it won't last very long. I ask you to pass this bill for those that risk for all, and I'll try to answer any questions. Now, those, this is testimony of last year from Dave Werdekemper, and, and I say this because how quick we can forget as time moves along. And the things that we do, um, we will always do those things. No one testified against the bill. No decision has been made yet on whether to advance it. As COVID-19 vaccines continue to be administered, people are still wary about what health officials know about the vaccines. Well, Dr. Jasmine Marslin with the University of Nebraska Medical Center College of Medicine says people will not be required to get the vaccine. While we hope that everyone will recognize the benefits of being vaccinated to prevent severe symptoms of COVID-19, any vaccination campaigns will purely be recommended and not required. People still have the ability to decline the vaccine if they do not want it. It is important to ensure that you get all of the information from trusted sources and use that to be able to make an informed decision of whether or not you consent or refuse a vaccine. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly has signed a bill to extend that state's disaster emergency declaration, allowing Kansas to continue to tap into resources for its pandemic response efforts. The legislation signed Monday extends the declaration to March 31st. Health officials say about 4.5% of Kansas's population has received the COVID-19 vaccine as of Monday. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroer. LLC.com. Talking about mental health and agriculture sometimes doesn't go hand in hand. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. But if you ask Michelle Payne, who is an author and a media resource with Cause Matters, we need to be talking about it. And she spent time this last week talking to those at the U.S. Custom Harvesters Annual Convention. People need people, even people of agriculture. So we're going to be talking about resiliency for agriculture today, which addresses mental health issues and having the tough conversations uh, around mental health, suicide, depression, anxiety, and all of those factors that seem to be affecting agriculture at a pretty significant level, unfortunately. And we're so quiet about it. And I think that is our biggest nemesis. Yes, it's a, it's really tough. And what I always tell my audiences is I don't particularly want to talk about mental health. This has been more of a calling to do so. Uh, I've had a friend take her life by a suicide. I've cared for a loved one with cancer. I've been through divorce. I've watched the loss of our farm. Um, those are significant events into themselves. But when you start adding them all up, and then you add a global pandemic on top of it, being a small business owner who hasn't been able to travel a whole bunch, of, it's certainly an interesting journey. But really, I think agriculture has to have this tough tough conversation about mental health because of the fact that we have people who think they can handle everything themselves. They've been taught to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and not complain about it. 
That does not work, folks, when it comes to addressing the stressors that we're dealing with today. So what is the first line of defense when it comes to mental health and the issues in agriculture? I think first, just recognizing, hey, I'm stressed. Hey, I'm feeling anxious. Hey, I'm depressed. And nobody wants a whiner. But one of the illustrations that I'm using is to show people a teeter-totter. And one end are the risk factors. And on the other end are the sociological factors that you can control. And if we are able to have a better family situation, if we're able to have a better cultural situation in agriculture, that helps mitigate some of those risk factors. Um, We talk a lot about stress in this program. And the reality is, is stress is your body's natural response um, to what's happening in life. Scientifically, it's the release of cortisol. If cortisol continues to uh, be at a high, high level, it actually causes your brain to shrink, believe it or not. It affects um, nurturing within children, which means that it becomes generational. And there's some real scientific proof of what stress does to you. So it's ridiculous, frankly, for us in agriculture to think that we can just handle this and deal with it. Um, Because the reality is scientifically, these stressors are impacting us physically. And it's no different than going to the doctor when you have a broken arm. You get it fixed. So you go to the doctor and talk about these issues and you get it fixed. But sometimes that's the hardest part, is admitting that there's a problem. Yeah, absolutely it is. And one of the reasons uh, why I talk about mental health is because I went through the loss of our family farm. I understand that your identity is very, very closely wrapped up in what you do. Whether you're a harvester, whether you're an agribusiness, whether you are a farmer or a rancher, your identity is very closely tied to what you do. And so the message that I try to deliver to our audiences is that God did not create you as a farmer or rancher. Uh, He did not create you as an agriculturalist. He created you as a human being. And we have to get back to our very humanness sometimes and be willing to accept help. Um, And one of the things that I try to do is to help people in the audience understand the signs to look for and what they can do about it. Because let's face it, nobody wants to walk up to someone and start talking about suicide. That's just a really tough conversation to have. It's depressing. It is, and it's a depressing topic to talk about. But what's more depressing is being an honorary Paul Bearer at my friend's funeral when she was all of 25 years old. It's to get over this stim, um, I'm trying to think the word I'm trying to... Stigma. Stigma, thank you very much, <laughs> that this is such a bad thing. Yeah. And we need to, we don't look down upon somebody who has cancer or somebody who has a cold or the flu or has been having surgeries, but we look down on somebody who has that stressful mental breakdown. Yeah, it's interesting that we do that. I think we are particularly harsh in that judgment in agriculture as well, because again, we think we need to handle everything ourselves, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And one of the things that I do in this workshop is I ask people to uh, yell out what they think when they hear the term mental health. Weak comes to mind frequently, crazy sometimes. Um, others think that it's important. It's changed over the couple of years that I've been speaking about mental health and more people are starting to believe that it, it's important. But it's hard for people to understand that mental health medically actually refers to the absence of mental health issues. 
Interesting. And so there's the stigma. And, you know, some people call it behavioral health. Some people call it mental well-being. I don't really care what you call it. I care that we're having the conversation that, hey, look, your neighbor's going through some tough times. Have some empathy. Talk to him. Identify when a farm um, that has always been neat as a pen starts being really sloppy. That farmer is withdrawn. Realize there's a problem there and have that conversation because you, in fact, may be saving someone's life. And that's the key, is having that conversation and keeping a line of communication open with those all around you. Conversation today with Michelle Payne. You can find out more about Michelle through causematters.com. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I have 8882. With a business report for Tuesday, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks have been muted in afternoon trading on Wall Street as investors weigh solid corporate earnings results against concerns about the virus pandemic. Blue chip companies like Johnson & Johnson and General Electric reported better than expected results. Wall Street faces renewed worries that troubles with COVID-19 vaccine rollouts and the spread of new variants of coronavirus might delay a recovery from the pandemic. Investors are in the midst of quarterly earnings reporting season for U.S. companies, and this is the busiest week so far. U.S. consumer confidence posted a gain in January, helped by a rise in expectations about the future. The conference board reports that its consumer confidence index increased to 89.3, a rebound from December when it had fallen to a reading of 87.1. The January strength came from a rise in the expectations index, which measures feelings about the future path of incomes, business, and labor market conditions. U.S. home prices jumped in November at their fastest pace in more than six years, fueled by demand for more living space as Americans stick closer to home during the pandemic. Home prices soared 9.1% in November compared with 12 months ago, According to Tuesday's reports on the S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20-City Home Price Index. President Joe Biden is set to announce a wide-ranging moratorium on new oil and gas leasing on U.S. lands as his administration moves quickly to reverse Trump administration policies on energy and the environment and address climate change. Two people with knowledge of Biden's plans outlined the proposed moratorium, which will be announced Wednesday. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Tom to learn more. Conveying genetic potential. I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network, broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio in Lincoln. Keeping customers happy. That is a straightforward business model that cow-calf producers can find success in year after year. That according to Paul Diestra, Assistant Director of Supply Management and an analyst with the Certified Angus Beef brand. Each segment of the beef business, of course, uh, has its own profitability factors. And uh, from a cow-calf perspective, really our customer is everybody forward through the production chain on to the consumer. But if we kind of focus on the first one, which would be the feed yard, of course, their objectives would be to, first of all, keep cattle healthy and Secondly, to convert feed at an efficient pace and have an uh, exemplary uh, daily gain as well to, um, to sell carcasses then to the packer that are, that are commanding premiums on those grid marketing structures. 
Paul says that weaning protocols and weight data can help differentiate calves, but many buyers look beyond management. The genetic potential of a set of feeder calves really does offer us an opportunity to get a higher return, even if those calves you know, are sold at auction in a, in, a, in a big lineup of cattle selling in one day because if the, um, if the genetic inputs have been, have been put in and the buyer knows about those either through their own experience or by, by way of our own advertising, you know, just, uh, just exactly what those genetics look like. Either way, uh, we've seen you know multiple examples throughout uh, you know any given year where the uh, the highest quality, highest performance set of calves really do achieve some of the higher uh, returns, several dollars per hundredweight advantages over over the average. Conveying breed type, vaccinations, and feeding background is now commonplace. Deistra suggests that producers can be more specific. When I talk to folks about truly merchandising calves and doing a great job with trying to advertise the quality that they that they have in the herd, I think they really ought to pinpoint some of the genetic inputs, whether that be through a third party, uh, such as the Angus Link program, for example, where a person could uh, could get a, a genetic merit scorecard on that set of feeder cattle, or Alternately, by simply summarizing the uh, the percentile rankings on the uh, the bull battery uh, for certain traits of importance that are terminal traits like growth and marbling, ribeye area, and those kinds of things, and dollar grid, if you want to uh, include something like that, but trying to educate that buyer as to why the calves in the particular offering ought to be worth more than average. Even in the anomaly of 2020, the trend suggests that the beef industry has not yet reached a peak in high-quality beef demand. We have simply seen the marketplace in terms of the consumer, retailer, and restaurant sectors. Um, they are responding to meat quality by wanting more of it. Those comments echoed by Cattlefax CEO Randy Block. He says the entire U.S. meat industry should grow annual production with greater quality, but cow-calf producers stand to benefit the most when that growth stimulates expansion and the beef packing sector. The cow-calf producer needs to be more profitable. The good thing is, is the profitability is in our industry, but we need a little more harvest capacity to balance who's getting what share of that in here today. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. For on-highway use. On the next Rural Radio Forum, we learn how businesses and entities adapted and overcame the worldwide pandemic in the past year. We'll tell stories of success, perseverance, and people who made lemonade out of the All right, John, about 15 seconds. Can you hear me okay? micro levels, people of the Great Plains learned to carry on to the COVID crisis. Brought to you by the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program. Join us for the next Rural Radio Forum, February 9th at 3 p.m. Central Time, 2 p.m. Mountain Time on KR. Play Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, as we take a look across the close here of business today, soybeans sharply higher, but corn really the big leader here today. What about this report from Reuters? 200 million gallons of ethanol sold to China. That's got to be a boost finally on the fuel demand. Yeah, it is. It just kind of keeps the floor under the margins to a certain degree for these ethanol producers. You know, look at where where uh, 
where you can ration use. And by rationing use, it's like, well, hey, we don't need to use as much of this. We can move it over to this category. If you kind of think of that in your own budget, well, the government has to do that as well. And how do we do that? You know, it would be simply to, sh you know, stop producing as much ethanol and use more for feed. But we're not going to see that possibility here if we're going to be moving some to China. So just more bullishness. China bought some corn as well. Um, some rumors kicking around that they may be in the market for 110,000 metric tons, or I'm sorry, 110 million metric tons of corn. That's 10% or of soybeans next year, which is 10% higher than this year. I don't know where they're going to get all the supply from. So the pressure really is on acres to grow. I, I think beyond the, the crop insurance period and the idea that the the farmer is going to produce. I just don't think you can peg anything at 180 bushels per acre at this point. You know, production north of 15 billion is what's going to take on the corn side, and north of four, five, four, six on the bean side to satisfy each of the sides. And I don't think you're going to be able to grow that amount of soybeans without sacrificing corn and vice versa. Not even mentioning the other crops that are going to lose acres. You know, 2021 shaping up to be an unusual marketing year from the aspect that farmers have been having to be active in their marketings, taking advantage of rallies. But really, this seems to now be kind of the seller's market. So is it one to really kind of analyze and, and just try to maximize profit at this time? It's the opposite of the last four or five years. So instead of having meetings with producers that are now like, you know, producers are low, they would come to me and say, hey, you know, I need to start looking at how to market better. Well, obviously, prices are low. That's hard to, you know, it's hard to market well with low prices. Vice versa, on the other side, the I never heard from end users. Ethanol plants, feeders, processors, food companies, nobody. Guess who's starting to knock on our door now? And it's all the end users who are now figuring out, hey, I got upside prices, and they we ain't going to see 450 wheat. We're not going to see 350 corn anymore. How do I deal with this now? And it's the same way. You buy early. Just like the producer should have sold early the last few years, those folks are doing well this year, vice versa with the feed side. So that can flip on a tab, but it's difficult to see whether it's going to happen in the near term. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can learn more when you visit their website, danielzagmarketing.com. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors who consider these risks before investing. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of Midday. You can find the Midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors at krvn.com.